That was like um, years and years ago. Amblamps guy. Remember Amblamps? Amblamps. Someone called Amblamps. Yeah. Oh, Black Betty? Amblamps. I am never upset when I see a Black Betty meme. They're really good. I'm, I'm always good. very happy <laughs> yeah. when, it, when it happens. One of those ones that's just always good, right? But uh, the, the the Black Betty ones that I really like is when it starts with "Oh, Black Betty," and then it's a picture, and you have to. Yeah. It's also it's a meme, yeah. but it's also but a little puzzle. Out. Yeah. <laughs> puzzle, like for example, one. Yeah. I don't know if it, I mean when I say it, I'm you describe it. It's <laughs> no, 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 no. I I will describe it. Yeah. Because I won't say what the fuck. Oh, oh, oh. All right. So, <laughs> it was a a small light. Mm. With a shade mm. featuring uh, everyone's favourite black and white bear. <laughs> oh, Black Betty. Oh, I don't know any black I, and I white I get the bears. lamp. Yeah, so yeah. lamp. Everyone's favourite black and white bear. Black and white bear. What's a black and white bear? Panda lamp. There we oh, go. Right. Oh, Black right. Betty. Panda lamp. Panda lamp. <laughs> <laughs> this is good practice for when, like, after the collapse and yeah. the only way to share memes is like, oh, do you remember the meme yeah. that was like... It's like you can imagine that we're just saying this in the wasteland, <laughs> woefully unsatisfying yeah. for everybody. One hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we normally talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hardest One Hundred. My name is David James Young. I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour. Or so, joining me once again, Adam Buncher, hey, hey, Nathan Harrison, hi, Andrew McDonald, yo, welcome back. This is Super Request Part Five, aka we need a filing cabinet. Unfortunately, there were some ones that got lost through the cracks. We are we're, we're we're man enough to admit it. We're also like strong enough people to say that I know that we have said I think twice now that next week is the season starting. But look, that th- this podcast is a metaphor for life. There's no certainty. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Well, this is effectively the encore. We've been playing for a while. We've played some hits. We've played some obscurities. Yeah, it's you know, been a good set. You know, we just ended the main set with the ever-changing spectrum of a lie, which is this big, grandiose number. True. Everyone's applauding, and we come back out on stage, and we're just like, you know what? We never usually do this, <laughs> but uh, uh, the venue said we can play until 11, so yeah. what do you guys want to hear? But everyone's already on their way to the car. Yeah, but the (laughs) die traffic. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Most people have left, but there's like a bunch of diehards still up the front. We are playing with the house lights on. Um, Yeah, it's one of those rare, like spontaneous encores. So these three people have all yelled out three different songs, and it's our duty to uh, close out the set with these songs. For example, user Tick Dracy. No, no, it's good. Come it's on, good man. Name. No, it's good. It's a good I don't know. It's a play on words of Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy has called out for The Death and Resurrection Show by Killing Joke. Mark out the points. Build the player. Assemble different drummers. Light up the fire. Put on your masks. And animal skins. Illumination. Illumination. Listen to the drums. 
between each beat, each beat of the drum. Oh, beloved mother of liberty, hold me in your arms. Death and Resurrection show by The Killing Joke, as requested by Tick Dracy. Andrew. Yo, yeah. Um, Killing Joke, I fucking love Killing Joke, man. I've seen them live. If you're not familiar with them, formed in the very late 70s, very active in the 80s. I see what you did there. Yes, indeed. 80s. (laughs) That's a song by Killing Joke called 80s. Look it up. It's it's their Um, most famous song. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, they were very active in the post-punk and kind of gothic scene. They've been cited as being one of the most important bands in the formation of industrial music. So many bands cite Killing Joke as an important thing. This is from their 2003 record, so it does fit the parameters of the Super Request rules. Thank mm. you, Tri- uh, Tick. I presume it's your real name. <laughs> <laughs> this record um, also has some more crossover with my particular interest, as this song and this record was produced by Andy Gill of Gang of Four. Yeah. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made the king rest in power. That, so again, after going through like cutting their teeth with kind of post-punk and gothic rock and helping shape industrial music, this came after quite a long break between records, I believe. It was seven or eight years. And this is the first track on the 2003 record, which is a self-titled record. Their second self-titled record. Indeed, yeah, doing the rancid move. Yeah. yeah. When you have 15 albums... Yeah, <laughs> you run out of titles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're just back to the start. Yeah. yeah, and this as the opening track on that record, I love a good comeback story, right? That's like, and sure. it's so, so rare that a band who's been around for quite a long time and released quite a number of records and then takes a break and then comes back, then for that record to be good is fucking crazy. Um, and this also, uh, Dave Grohl is the drummer on this record as well. Yeah. 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 Finally get to talk about Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously super different from their 80s material. Like their, their track 80s and um, their track Requiem, one of their other huge hits, Love Like Blood, which gets a play at every fucking goth club in the world. And this is obviously quite different to that. But as a fucking kick on after a bit of a break with that beat and that guitar tone and those particular vocals, I think it fucking slaps. Yeah. It does so much. Like the... Guitar tone is just thicker than a brick, right? Like it's just so chunky, and like mm. it's just such a great statement for like a for a return to a band who's taken a break for a while. And then like the lyrics as well, talking about like there's that line in there saying um like too many drummers, which I think is funny because it's Dave Grohl being their ring in drummer. It's even funnier because they were intending on having more than just Dave Grohl play on the album. There you go. They, they also wanted to get in Danny Carey um from Tool, yeah, and uh, also the drummer from System of a Down, uh, oh, yeah, Dol- John Dolmayan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently when Dave heard one of the tracks, he was like, no, I want yeah. all of it. And the Bilbo John- meme was like, why sh- after all, why shouldn't I? Why shouldn't I drum on all the Killing Joke albums? <laughs> They're my precious. Yeah. Yeah. And John Domain was too busy watching The Apprentice for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> this guy seems cool. Wonder what happened. <laughs> it never happened, but I'd vote for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh about yeah, it. Laugh about it now. Yeah, laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. The, I think the, the growling vocals in the chorus are the one thing that I think I don't love about this song. I much prefer his voice when he's doing. I guess because I love their '80s material so much, I like him when he's doing his post-punk croon. Um, 
and having him do like a heavy metal voice, obviously that was their choice to make when particularly with the, this more industrial rock style of music, it makes sense that they would want to go down that path, but it is the part that works the least for me. The, also, like the, the last goddamn two minutes, because it is quite a long song, it was like six, seven minutes or yeah, whatever. Yeah, about seven minutes, yeah. Um, but the last two minutes and everything finally, like all the pieces that they've been teasing throughout the track all coming together at once at the end, it's just like, oh, fuck yes, yes, this is here, this is what you're building to and it just rules. Yeah, well, Fucking yeah. exciting song, man. They've described themselves as being tension music. Um, they found all sorts of really interesting ways to describe themselves in interviews before. One of the other quotes was uh, saying, our music is the sound of the earth vomiting, which, you know. You know, sure. To that. Yeah, yeah, that's it's cool. A, it's a pretty yeah. cool yeah. way to say that, you know, because they, cause they, like you have my attention. Like, yeah. I actually play. think part of that as well is them trying to skirt away from answering any genre yeah. questions because you know, there was always these questions about you know are you punk are you not punk yeah um because there's certainly like a punk idea that's running through the band yeah um and i can and see how you'd get that and they seem to be very influential for future punk acts yeah yeah um and i think that that comes through in this song like when i hear this song i i really do get a pretty clear idea about what this band is because mm. to me the, the song is like apart from embodying that idea of tension music really nicely in the way that it builds with the guitars and whatever at the same time as almost being a bit of a gang of four song in itself in yeah. a weird way like if you took gang of four and you just dialed it up really heavily it's it's so interesting to know that andy gill from gang of four produced this given how the song sounds i, I believe he actually co-wrote the song as well that would make so much sense, yeah. right? Because it's it's got that same monotone, yeah, yeah, almost monotone, chanting yeah, yeah. kind of vocal, which plays into what I think is going on with the song. Which it really tries very hard from the outset to conjure this idea of the ritual, right? Like it talks about there being pyres and stuff like that, and then the rest of the song kind of is is dealing with this metaphor for civilization. I think the death and resurrection show is not only what, what they talk about is it's like the rise and fall of civilizations. And they use that by also um, talking about the myths that come through in civilizations, comparing Christian mythology to um, Osiris, the ancient Egyptian god, which many people have drawn parallels to. And this fits in with Coleman, um, the lead singer of The Killing Joke, being quite into the occult. So yeah. that kind of you know, like spiritual thread comes through as well. And then I, I guess you have the personal kind of level where he talks about himself um, being embroiled as part of the death and resurrection show and, and the mm. powerlessness and insignificance that you have as an individual against the, the machine of civilization. And this, and it really is a machinery idea in the song. Like yeah. I, really, I really feel like when you're listening to this song, you're in the middle of a gigantic clock with all these mechanisms and gears and things kind of turning around you and to and to use that metaphorically in such a way it's, it's really cool like and i get a sense of what the band is in a, in a grand sweeping way and the fact that it is um like such a like neatly produced harsh edges on all the parts kind of thing like that as to what you're saying about the mechanization of the whole thing like the mm. guitar parts start and end really clean the drums punch like puncture the fucking sound kind of thing and also as well with the title of course this being their first song after a bit of a break, Death and Resurrection show obviously plays into that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's also like quite a lot, my understanding is, about the Iraq war. I think 100%. that was one of the main reasons they got like, back together got back together and started playing in Well, that tracks. Music this again. is 2003. Yeah, yeah like, totally. Yeah. But if you're talking about like the rise and fall of civilizations, you know, both in terms of Iraq and America. Uh-huh. Absolutely. One of the like the album was potentially going to be called Axis of Evil at some point. Right. Which is like huge. But even then, you know, thinking about that kind of big machine 
and to do with death, particularly I think the Iraq war, thinking about like a war that like millions of people protested and just still went ahead, that there's that kind of like lack of humanity in the the decision-making process Mm. and the the kind of politics of that, that it just happened despite, you know, everything, Mm. Um, particularly in the UK, Killing Joke being an English band with Blair and stuff as well. Like I think that all ties into that. We were riffing on memes earlier and like a very early meme was someone sharing the video for 80s by Killing Joke and going, ha, the guitarist looks like Conan O'Brien. And he does! Like he's a redhead (laughs) dude. This Geordie Walker, like back in the day was like a dead ringer for a young Conan O'Brien. And it's great. Like it's like, that was my introduction to Killing Joke. (laughs) And like, I feel like they have a similar thing with Talk Talk where it's just like they started out with such a different sound to what they ended up with hearing this i was just like wait that's killing joke mm. like yeah. the same guys who put out 80s i'm living in the 80s you know which is a song which is dated a little <laughs> just a little you can't really sing that anymore unless you're old yeah <laughs> <laughs> really old yeah, yeah. Which you're really yeah like- Shout out to all my octogenarians yeah. listening. They played it when I saw them live and it still went off. Oh, dude, it yeah. would be a fucking banger. Yeah. When I looked at Killing Joke, I really got the sense of just like, you can be really into Killing Joke and you can have a lot of opinions. But at the same time, I think with a band that crosses so many sounds across so many different albums, you can also only have a tiny sip, you know? And I, and I, had, I have to say that like, I think as much as I enjoyed the experience of listening to this song um, and it's such an amazing opening track to an album mm. and I you know I liked all the sounds and I think Dave Grohl's drumming like oh, you know kind of fair enough that he decided to take all the tracks because he does a, <laughs> does a pretty good job yeah. and he's really high in the mix like, yeah. Yeah. once you said surprised. it was Dave Grohl I'm just like oh actually that makes so yeah. much sense <laughs> but I kind of was I, I, I put on the album because I knew that this track was first and I maybe thought of rolling it on. I was, I was kind of a bit done <laughs> yeah. after this track. Like this this kind of gave me everything that I wanted and That's the next fair. thing I was like, ah. Oh, Killing Joke for me have always been a band that I, I guess I'm interested in the band more. Like mm. I, I, they're an interesting band to read about. They're obviously like insanely influential. I, I think they're a real like musicians band as well. Yeah, like yeah for real. For, for that kind of influence or whatever. Um, There's a documentary. By the name of the Death and Resurrection show. There you go. Um, if you yeah. wanted to learn more about the Killing Joke, mm. this was a cool kind of like, oh right, moment for me because like I would have safely assumed that a band like this breaks up when their music goes out of fashion, reunites sometime in the two thousands to kind of cash in on a bit of nostalgia because everyone did that. Rage Against the Machine, Crowded House, Van Halen, Refused, whoever the fuck else. And then would have probably just quietly departed because they all realized they hated each other again. But just like, no, like they're one of the rare instances where they've just kind of kept going. Same as like the Pixies. They've almost made as many records now than Mm. like their like initial like peak run in the 80s, you know? So like it's cool that they've still found a way to find a new purpose and kind of recontextualize themselves in a new era because a lot of bands of that time weren't able to do that. You know, they kind of come back and go, ah, remember, and then they go away. Mm. You know, it's another thing entirely to just be like, no, no, no. We're a band in the present tense. We are writing. We are making music. We are touring that new music. You are going to come and see our new music. That's kind of an increasingly rare phenomena for reunited bands. Mm. And you'd have to say that this song 
does have a foot in the past at the same time as it has a foot in the present. Yeah. I listen to this and someone tells me that it comes out in 2003. I don't doubt that. You know, if someone also said to me, this band has been around since the late 70s, I also believe that. Yeah. Yeah, Or like both things are true. And I don't know... That's a delicate balancing act in itself, really, to, to yeah. hold both of those ideas authentically. See, part of it, I think, is his um, Coleman's vocal performance. Yeah, Is fully, that, yeah. like, he can't shrug off that kind of, like, gothic new wave croon. Like, like yeah. he just, that, and that just you plants it in, like, oh, yeah, it's still definitely a killing joke. But also, like, if you are British and you don't sing with any amount of melody... You're kind of in the eighties already. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just you're kind of just there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I love to be there. <laughs> yeah, I love to see it. Our next request comes from Vincent. Vincent has requested Prong Store Stiffy by the band Blood Duster. That's Bronze Store Stiffy by Blood Duster. Is it Prawn? I thought it was Prawn I thought it was, I thought it was straight up Porn. But I did see on Spotify that it was Prawn. So okay, maybe right. maybe there was a rename I, I, I think that, that it, occurred. Either. They're both I'm, great I'm, choices. I'm, I'm literally just going off the Spotify thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've I think, seen it both ways. Yeah. Hey, whether you choose prawn or choose porn. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this was a genuine question that was asked uh, when we were going around and picking, like, or finding all the songs in the requests. We genuinely had to find out, was this a sincere request? Was this guy genuinely loving this song? Or was it a kind of, like... Villainous Decca move. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, think I think Vincent sincerely wants us to talk about it, but also people fucking people like people, grindcore, man. Yeah, like, people. Uh, hi, yeah. yeah. Adam's <laughs> a big bloodduster head. Go on, Adam. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, ding ding! The bus has arrived, and yeah. Adam's just been thrown under it. No, listen. Okay, well, you know, you're thrown to me. I'll I'll pick it up from here. I this is my first time coming towards. Blood Duster. Must have been hard to do. Uh, there we go. <laughs> Coming to Blood Duster. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Porn Store so, Stiffy. No, th- yeah. Thematically, yeah. thematically yeah. Yeah. we're there. All it, right. was, it was actually very clever. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Nice. You know, I actually had uh, a cum joke in here. Too, <laughs> so you kind of just stolen my thumber, thumber on that. It's all right. We can make another cum joke. You go. Do your. All right. Do you need a particular setup or stimulus <laughs> for it? Okay. So when I, when I first listened to this band... Honestly, the first thing I thought was, of course, there was an Australian band that sounded like this at this time. It makes perfect sense. And one of the questions that I'm left with after now knowing about Blood Duster is this really interesting question about the crossover between the mission of grindcore as a genre and also the sensibility of Australian bands to kind of send themselves up at that time. Because grindcore as a genre, I'm I'm not entirely kind of across in terms of like its mission statement. I know that it's aiming to really like alienate people and revolt them as part of its extremity. And I also know that like using offence for offence's sake is something that a lot of Australian bands were kind of doing at this time. And so... 
you know, you do get an interesting kind of Venn diagram coming across here. And I, and I kind of wish I knew more about grindcore as a genre kind of academically so I could be able to sift through and see what was the band and, and what was the genre. Um, because as it stands now, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing the, great. It really did seem like this band was just out there to, to, to really like offend people. The name of the album that this came from was Cunt. The original album art for Cunt. Oh. This, this part's good. Oh. <laughs> was an image of a decapitated Fred Durst. <laughs> this was not accepted by the label. I um, can't I can't figure why. And, and, and for the even, life and of even with, identify him, so it wasn't worth it. Yeah, that's it. And even with a far more tasteful, completely black album art with just the title in small white letters, which is very spinal tap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, which is very good. Um, it still was very hard for this album to get distributed. Unsurprisingly, Triple J <laughs> played them a lot. <laughs> Some of the track names on this album, I, I think we should go through a little bit later on as well because I think they're, they're definitely worth bringing attention to. Are they? <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting to me. The, 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 you know what, Nathan? Mm. I was most interested about your reaction to this. Okay. Out of all, because there's a part of me that goes like, Nathan is so upset. But also, <laughs> there was another part of me that went, I think Nathan's in a grindcore now. I think this kind of goes back to what you're talking about, like the the difference between playing the genre straight and and the not exclusively but particularly Australian band thing of of just sending yourself up, yeah, or whatever. I think you don't have to enjoy the music of Blood Duster to find Blood Duster very funny. That that they are a band. Yes. It's similar in a way that like people will enjoy anal cunt song titles totally. and never listen to anal cunt, which is the only way to consume yeah. anal cunt music. And, and, this and is, we're it, saying the C word yeah, this, so this, much. This, this, we're getting the explicit tag oh on this my one. God. Big time. Yeah. Big oh no, time. Our first explicit. Our first yeah. explicit. Oh, well. oh no, the first time we've said the word cunt. <laughs> this is the only Blood Duster track that I've heard. To me, Blood Duster are best known as making a cameo appearance in Tism's Thunderbirds Are Coming Out video. Oh, but yes, of you can. Oh, cool. I, I mean, I didn't want to be the one to draw the parallel between Blood Duster and Tism. It's been done many times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wondered because I, I wonder because they're, they're a Melbourne-based band, yes, yes, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. I didn't know that about the Fred Durst cover because if you haven't seen the video for this song, which got airplay on Channel V, it's a, the video is a parody of new metal. They're all like they're all in like new metal sweat jumpers and stuff like that. So they're. Mm. They're, they're obviously they're here to take the piss yeah. of new metal. If Definitely, were, yeah, yeah. But um, like holding up signs. Um, is it uh, Fred can't rap, and then also Fred Durst gets me hard. Yeah. Um, like the funny. thing is, yeah, like it's funny <laughs> in that, but it's like also like, like I and this is, I, I guess, it's interesting to me to try and evaluate grindcore music because it's it's it is so relentless, and it's like if you can enjoy grindcore, then I imagine you get a lot out of it. Mm. Um, but like, and, and it, it's in the same way that like. Like I listen to Merzbell and like I get a lot out of that, but which is I, just like it's just harsh noise yeah. music. If you don't know him, he's kind of the biggest name in Japanese. He's, it's. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's the fucking term. <laughs> Can't believe you fucking people. This is. <laughs> yeah. Keep up. Fucking not appearing next season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so if, if if you could get stuff out of grindcore, I imagine that you would like the more serious grindcore bands that would like maybe perhaps be trying to make a point. And mm. then, but if you're Australian and into it, maybe, and you have that sense of Larrikinism, which is kind of built into our musical culture, particularly around this time, 
maybe you you'd be like, oh yeah, they're they're, they're just funny. Like it's, it's like you go go to the, still go to the shows and listen to the forty five second long songs and get in a really violent pit and have lots of fun. But you're like, yeah, but it's just super funny as well. Hey, with your buddies on the way home. For, yeah. for me, I I mean, like, I, look, I'm not. How much do you love grindcore now? Not much. How much has blood dust it changed great, your mind? Great line from um, uh, music historian Rosemary Overall, where she's like, um, uh, blood dust are uh, largely credited with establishing Melbourne's gore and porno grindcore aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> porno grindcore is, is pretty much, because like, that's pretty much what's going on <laughs> yeah. with the album as well. I mean, this this is a, sto- this is a, a song about visiting a pornography store. To buy some pornography <laughs> and having and having a stiffy, yeah, and 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 kind of and rubbing your stiffy. Just read read the lyrics. There's not much subtext. There's really not. There's zero subtext. But I, I do quite like the um the ending line being "I'll come on you." <laughs> That's I don't know. I kind of like these dickheads. Honestly, like <laughs> oh, the point that I got to was like the riffs kind of bump hard. I I'm not gonna lie. I listened to quite a bit of cunt. <laughs> It's it, when you've only got songs that go for a minute and a half. You're one of my most listened to artists this month now. Did you uh, get to the? Uh, you said the track titles before. Did you get to the track title which I love called "Um I Love It When Joe Pesci Swears"? <laughs> <laughs> Such a good song title. Okay, but we're sitting here la- genuinely laughing and getting enjoyment from this band. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and I think what it does is it is like it pushes things to such a level of ridiculousness that it kind of your brain quits. And at any attempt to kind of like draw meaning um, or, or or take it seriously or anything like that just kind of goes. And you're left with this empty field where you can truly just appreciate the bodily sensations of the riffs, which is what you want to be doing anyway. And if you can have a laugh in there as well, but it's, it's, it's definitely nothing that it's, it, it's, it's getting you out of your head. And I think for, for that to be the effect that a metal band kind of creates for you is kind of cool. I had a lot more fun with this track than I thought. Like the, the riff kind of slaps. Like the vocals are as close as we've ever gotten to what Grover would sound like if he fronted a a grindcore band. But I, I also I also think again though, laughing in reaction to the vocals and thinking that they're ridiculous is not a wrong reaction. You're not misreading the track. You know, I think that's intended or a one of many intended kind of reactions. Yeah. The net result is fun. I didn't enjoy this um, oh, okay. like, as a piece of music, sure, um, because it's just not for me. I, 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 I've never f- really fucked with grindcore. Like, yeah. the closest I've come is um, huh? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It, uh, is the um, Full of Hell Mersbo record? Which, Sounds like edging to me. <laughs> which is which is technically um, also partly Japanese. Yeah, because he's it's Full of Hell collaborating with Mersbo, and mm. like it's fucking fun. Like I I I, I can fuck with that. Um, but that's as close as I've been able to get as a foot into the genre of grindcore. Yeah. Uh, but I was curious with you, Adam, because I know you do like fuck with it. I'm still a baby yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways, but like it's it's something every now and again that I really like visiting. I think because it makes me work so hard to keep up with it, and it's so challenging and so demanding. Um, that's kind of what I really like. I get to the end of listening to you know a Pig Destroyer album or a Cattle Decapitation album, and Alex- oh, they really hate animals, don't they? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> They're asking for it. <laughs> I always feel like really overwhelmed and I get to the end of listening to those albums and I and I can't remember anything that just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I kind of like that yeah. in a way. Are you sure you listen to Grandcore albums and not getting drunk? 
Because yep. the second one happens like the similar <laughs> result. Like you're like, I don't remember anything, but I'm pretty sure I had fun. So it must have been good. <laughs> Deej? I fucking hated this. <laughs> oh, God, this fucking sucked. I couldn't even make it through this song and it was fucking 90 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> This was just exhausting. This was fucking painful to listen to. It wasn't funny. It was annoying. The vocals sucked. The guitars sucked. Everything just fucking stank up the joint. I just... I do not enjoy this band. I think they are... Well, they were. They're not together anymore. But they were a fucking ugly band that made ugly music. And they were just fucking ultimately just fucking edgelords like that's all they fucking were like i just i do not buy into their shit whatsoever but now i know how it feels when i have to i'm i have to defend new metal to you guys <laughs> so like fair play to you yeah and i mean i suppose it doesn't help that they disrespected fred durst as, in as the way marlon that they brando once said Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> <laughs> some, some other great uh, song titles on the record. Um, a tracksuit is not appropriate metal apparel. Um, I just finished sucking off metalheads in the men's urinals. <laughs> One just called, the object is to shift some units. Like, <laughs> I also, I, th- I, think, I think also part of my enjoyment of this band is knowing that I have to listen and talk about this one track. I get to foray into them by myself and then talk about them here and as part of this podcast and it's it's in this very specific kind of critical lens. There's nothing about this that I necessarily need to align with myself in any kind of meaningful way. That might change my relationship to them vastly if, if I kind of approach them outside of this in, in any kind of way, like it's just as a regular kind of band. Yeah. But in, in, terms yeah. Of, in terms of a band to explore and a band to look at, there is a bit of a distance here that I have that allows me to to get a lot of enjoyment. Because isn't it funny that this got Triple J play and also Channel V play? Like, Channel V, yeah, they played the film clip for it and they interviewed them on there. Like they were like, "That's wild, yeah." That like the, the ma- mainstream like channel, like they, they yeah. get Blood Duster on there. Like, please welcome Blood Duster. Thanks, Andrew G. Like, <laughs> 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 what are you going to play for us? We're going to play Porn Store Stiffy, Andrew G. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's also about V-Play. Yeah. <laughs> Our final request comes from Daniel. Damn, Daniel. What do you want to hear? Oh, you want to hear the smash hit single Drive by the platinum-selling rock band Incubus? Buddy, you got it.
That is Drive by Incubus. Uh, it comes from their 1999 studio album, Make Yourself. It was requested by Daniel. So, big thank you to Daniel for giving us our grand finale for the Super Request set. What a way to go out. This is this is how you finish a set. <laughs> Everyone's singing along. You know, this is a, this is a uh, step away from the microphone song because everyone will sing the chorus and just fucking... The lighters are up. The phones are up. It's it's a vibe, man. Like I think this was a. I'm I'm glad that we forgot about this request because that meant that we could send it out with a grand finale the way that this song deserves. Like this is a closer. This is this is how you send it out. This is Incubus's signature song. This is their biggest hit. Their proper crossover into the mainstream. Prior to that, they were, I guess, yeah, slightly heavier, more kind of funk metal-y, kind of obviously indebted a lot to like Mike Patton and Faith No More and that sort of shit. Uh, a certain shade of green with its like very slappy funk bass and its big thrashy guitars and kind of the slightly screamed vocals. Like, yeah, they were pretty different band. Later on, they focused a lot more on, I guess, pop rock and alternative rock and will become a lot less heavy over the years and, you know, a lot more l- melodic in nature, which is reflected in songs, I guess, like Dig, talk shows on mute. Uh, and obviously they had some massive hits at the start of the 2000s. We're talking Wish You Were Here. Not a Pink Floyd cover, just just so you know, Andrew. Calm down, Andrew. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep the pig <laughs> And you'll know that because it's a good song. <laughs> Whereas the Incubus one. <laughs> there we go. This is the road there. This is the road back. We're kind of at this crossroads moment in their careers where, you know, this record does have kind of heavier and funkier moments and stuff like that, but they're kind of more fewer and far between. And there's more of a focus on kind of alternative rock kind of thing. This is interesting in that this is, you know, a much more subdued version of Incubus. But I love this song, man. Like, it reflects a very kind of coming-of-age moment, uh, you know, for the band and for Brendan Boyd, the singer, who played on this, uh, uh, wrote this song, obviously, with uh, Mike Enzinger, the guitarist. It's this moment of, I guess, you know, kind of self-reflection and kind of, yeah, looking forward to, to what's to come. And, yeah, there's there's a lot of weight in that, but it's also, you know, even though it is kind of personal by nature, there's also enough of a broadness and a relatability that you can kind of see yourself in a song like this. And a lot of people did. This band was big. You know, this band was really fucking big for a very specific moment in in people's lives. People still come out to see this band in droves because they gave them moments like this. This was a deal sealer for me. Like, this is when Incubus became one of my favorite bands. Like, when the next record after this was Morning View, which came out just as I was leaving primary school, going into high school. And just in that transitional moment, it was just a very important record for me. Last year, or maybe the year before, I'm just like, let's bring Incubus back. It was partially ironic, partially I have a lot of history with this and this was a big part of my childhood and coming of age moment. And like, 
even even like jokingly putting that up on Insta, just being like, you know what? I'm bringing back uh, Incubus to the cultural zeitgeist. You know, we're going to make them cool again. I got so many responses being like, dude, I loved this record or I love this record or I saw them at the Horden back in like 2004 or whatever. I'm just like, yes, fuck yes. And I love that people had those kind of moments and that, you know, I can still have that kind of connection with this band, even if they aren't, you know, as big on my radar as they used to be. Mm. This song was everywhere because I, I was one of the people. I was like, "Is this the Incubus song that I know?" And like, obviously, it is. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't yeah, even, like, yeah. you know, it's, forget that it's called it's Drive. That song. Yeah, 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 but yeah. It, it, it is. It is one of those that songs. It's just, it was a huge moment. I'm like, if you were coming of age of any particular moment when you fucking heard this, it would have been like an integral part of your DNA. Yeah. Oh, go yes. on. <laughs> Here he is. Yeah. Here he is. I did all the stuff that you said about it being like a time and a place and whatever. I'd completely forgotten how much I loved. Incubus For real yeah, Back in yeah, the day yeah. And then I started talking about this And then I just saw the cover of Make Yourself And I was just like It's happening Like Something Something like twigged in my brain And The beautiful thing Is that Incubus to me I realised Are a band about young dudes Expressing themselves as young dudes mm. And the beautiful thing for me about that Is that I was a young dude Having my opinions about What was cool as a young dude Shaped by that very band Yeah it's And Brendan Boyd is still a young dude He's 25 for all I know oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not yeah. aged he was- He's got the fucking Pharrell syndrome Yeah for you sure you seen this dude? Holy shit the, the thing that I'm kind of coming around to Is all these like bands like Incubus, like Linkin Park, like things are around that era. You can probably, you know, maybe you can name a few others that kind of just automatically slot into the, that kind of scene or at least that timeline. There was so much about it that was about the performance of cool. They were very much like just about being as cool as they possibly could through music. Like that was yeah. definitely part of the mission statement. And I'm sure there are bands that are around now, but it, it takes just a very different shape. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like that was kind of it and it was kind of enough to kind of appeal to, to young guys and to also shape the opinion of what that cool actually looked like. But I go back and I listen to this and, and I hear like there's aspects of real like nerdiness in, in Make Yourself the album and there's, there's yeah, aspects totally. of, you know, like you listen to Morning View or whatever and it's got that kind of like surfy kind of vibe or whatever and growing up on yeah, the well, coast, I relate yeah, to that. Yeah, there's literally the ocean on the yeah, album that's, cover. that's right. It's yeah. like, hey, hey, young dudes, it's kind of cool to appreciate nature. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, know you know what I mean? Like it's just- <laughs> We're like sitting backwards. Up. Dude, actually, dude I'm, I'm 90% sure that Brendan Boyd literally sits backwards on a chair. I'm sure like, he in does. Like in the music video for Drive. He huh. has strong youth pastor vibes. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Especially now- He's got like long uh, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool that an adult would have long hair. I know, right? <laughs> he just says that we can call him Brandon. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah, not Mr. Boyd. Yeah. <laughs> so, but so yeah, like I, I had a major kind of like, whoa, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> grappling with past self and 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 this thing that I'd kind of forgotten. But I was I was so into Incubus, and it was so like I'm really I'm really gra- I'm really grateful that this song kind of came around to remind me of that. But this song itself kind of stands apart from Incubus in a lot of ways. Mm. I really think that this is this is Wonderwall for tw- for 2000. This yeah, song is Wonderwall 2000. But about like, drink driving. <laughs> no, but this is the this is the thing. You can take it as an insult or you can take it as a compliment, but just like 
the the form and function that both of those songs take are kind of the same. They're both the song that the guy with the acoustic guitar at the party pulls out and plays. They're both um, songs that are so poppy and so catchy and yet still manage to completely pass themselves off as alternative without like actually alienating anyone who would normally be alienated from that. But they still carry that kind of like integrity of being an, an alternative legitimate kind of song Mm. um and they're both kind of just like monolithic they both speak to these kind of wide ideas highly accessible i really i really think that the two songs are very similar and and if you hated wonder war i wouldn't be surprised if you also hated this and if not then you have to kind of look at what the difference is in terms of context. <laughs> really think about what that says about you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a long, hard look at yourself. Oh. Really. You know? I uh, like that. Incubus is a Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so like, I'm with you, Deej. In a way, I'm kind of glad this is the song we're finishing our Super Request season with because it is one of those songs that Max marks, like, it's, it was just so monolithic. And yeah. And does, yeah. Uh, the way you interpret it is absolutely dependent on original context kind of thing like that. I had a major moment of like, oh yeah, my context is not universal because, you know, like I would I, I would have assumed that everyone knows this song. But I showed this to my 24-year-old housemate and she's like, no, nothing on the radar, man. Yeah, I do wonder, because it was like, it was such a saturation point yeah. and I wonder if it since then has only lived as a reference to that. And so um, anyone that wasn't there for that was just like... Well, that's similar to Wonderwall as well, yeah, right? Yeah. I wonder you how know? many Zoomers were conceived through this song. <laughs> more than zero. Yeah. More than zero. I mean, fuck, Brendan Boyd, man. Like, back in the day. Gives you in the mood, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to me- Whatever Brand- tomorrow brings. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Boyd was the... Uh, for Teenage Adam, he was the singer. This is, oh, dude. Like, this is pod racing. <laughs> oh, for real, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Like, and he's an objectively fucking credible vocalist. Like, he can just wail those fucking notes, man. I feel like he's technically good. I mean, oh, yeah. Anyway, I don't like Incubus at all. <laughs> like, I oh, think, oh, fucking Kel Surprise. Well, yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Kel Surprise that you do like them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look at my hair. <laughs> I, I, like, I mean, I, I never went. Deep on Incubus or whatever. So my touchstone is... I never went to a Christian youth camp. (laughs) They're not Christian. (laughs) They they like everything except technically. They're a Christian rock band. On all levels except physical. Yeah. They're a Christian rock band. On all levels levels except religious, they're Christian. Christian rock is a style more than a religious thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they fit right in. But I like that you guys have a strong connection, and that's Ugh. fine. But I think you're right with the Oasis thing, because you know I didn't, I didn't really like Wonderwall, like I expressed, yeah. and I'm the same with this. That doesn't take away from either song's credentials, mm. because they are huge, almost fucking creatures for a goddamn reason. Listen to that opening guitar riff, and it's just like you can imagine someone saying like, "Oh, that's a hit." Yeah. Listen oh yeah, that, for real. Listen to that chorus, and it's like that's a hit. Yeah. Everything yeah, yeah, about yeah. this is a hit. And yeah. guess yeah, what? You, you, it you, was you can a see hit. Mr. Producer Man with his cigar being like, "Boys." You got a hit on you. Yeah, you've yeah. just recorded your first number. You just recorded one. your first number. Yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. evident. It's just so, like, so evident. Is it? Is it just kind of a? Is it a douche chills kind of vibe that you get off them? A like, bit. It's yeah. definitely like this. This music to me lives in the same world as like Dave Matthews Band. Sure. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like absolute middle of the road white bread college rock. Right. Yeah. But like yeah, yeah. Incubus. But Ladybird can cry too, but you can't. Yeah. <laughs> but but Incubus always had 
like a vibe surrounding them that they were a bit more clever or a bit more for like people that were really into music. This right, is for like yeah, this is yeah, your yeah. musicians, Dave Matthews band. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of a vibe, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I get I get what you're coming from. I just for sure. I think his voice is annoying, and I think the music is like boring. And it's <laughs> that's two big strikes for me. You know, <laughs> yeah. It's true. like fucking you know um the start of um oh I can't remember which movie it is um it's what, like. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. So yeah. it's like in The Last Jedi when <laughs> Zoe Deschanel gives her younger brother the Who record. Yeah, um, yeah. What movie is that from again? High 500 Fidelity? Days of Summer? I don't know. Whatever. She's only a small role in it. Um, <laughs> look, I'm so Bones? far off the fucking no, rails. that's Emily Deschanel. There's sorry. a movie where something happens and it's about music <laughs> and that made me think of this because this is also music, I guess. Look, I, I made it most of the episode without falling off the fucking mental train wreck that is my goddamn brain. <laughs> So even that fucking metaphor didn't make sense. So let's wrap the episode up. Don't want <laughs> Andrew's sundowning. We sundowning, have yeah. <laughs> Give him some jelly beans. My reading of this song, though, is that it's just like anti-drink driving because it's all like choosing water over wine and and I will drive. That's, that's not it I'm good, at all. No. I'm good to drive. And that's because not I'm not it. drink driving and having a horrible accident, whatever whatever tomorrow brings, I'll I be there. I will be there. Because I won't oh, be dead in no. a car accident. It's a, Open it's arms, a- open eyes, because not drunk. <laughs> It sounds like it's because you're such a crap. Right? I was like, it's, it's all there. It sounds like it sounds like you're going in hard on the anti-drunk driving <laughs> messages, and that's why I hate it. Yeah, was the movie you were thinking of Almost Famous? Yes, it was. Thank yeah, God. Go. Oh, that was driving me fucking mental. <laughs> that brings us to the end of Super Request Season One. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to. Everyone that sent in requests, massive shout out to Ryan, Sean, Spencer, Michael, David, Phil, Dave, Joe, Vignette's next big thing, Alberg, 5000, Tranquilbers, Decker, (laughs) William Beatty, MP Freely, Sensei for the win, Liam, Malloy, Tick Dracy, Vincent, and damn Daniel. Massive appreciation uh, for your love and support and of course your ever valuable five stars bloody good on yous big shout out round of applause thank you very much thank you very much uh yeah the next time you hear from us we promise (laughs) we swear to god (laughs) it will be season nine of hottest 100s and thousands but until then uh, on behalf of Andrew McDonald. Sorry for whatever, you know. <laughs> Nathan Harrison's real Charlie Brown with the football. It was like, next time, definitely <laughs> we'll do the season. And Mr. Adam Boncher. See ya. My name is David James Young. Super requests are good for you.